This is a Mortarbox Media Podcast. For more podcasts and to learn how we can help you create your own, visit mortarboxmedia.com. Hey, welcome to the Madison Story Slam podcast. I am your host, Adam Rosted, and this is a special midweek episode. Normally, we only do Tuesdays and Thursdays. Today is Wednesday, and we're doing a special episode because this week, if you're listening to this this week, on Friday, March 29th at the Nomad World Pub here in Madison, Wisconsin, we are teaming up with Midwest Indie Comedy to help put on Tragedy Plus Time Equals Comedy going to be a great show and we have got the uh owner or the person from midwest indie comedy he is no stranger to this podcast and uh, we will get to that in a little bit hey thanks for tuning in if you could do us a favor hit the subscribe button if you haven't already while you're there you can leave us a rating and a review on itunes or apple podcast app or wherever those things can be done that helps a whole freaking ton if you want to play a bigger part in what we do here at Madison Story Slam, you can head to patreon.com slash Madison Story Slam where you can become a monthly patron of the show, and uh, we appreciate everybody who's doing that. Also want to remind you that on Saturday, April 20th, that's the third Saturday of April, we will be at the Wilmar Center in Madison, Wisconsin for our Story Slam event, and the theme is secondhand, because we realize that everybody has a story that might not exactly be their own, but they want to share it anyway. So come tell and hear great stories that don't necessarily belong to us. That's all of the business. Here's the podcast. So like I said at the intro, the the person we're talking to today, it's been a while since we've had a long slam episode. The person we're talking to today is no stranger to the show. You have heard many stories from him. You have seen videos on the YouTube channel from him. I believe you were on a long slam episode? I was, I was, yeah. But was that on Read It and Weep or was it on here? Uh, you did read it and leap as well. Did you do both? both. Yeah. yeah, I think you did both. Um, it is our dear friend Tyson Purcell. Give it up for Tyson, everybody. There's nobody here. Tyson, yeah. <laughs> Tyson, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on the show again here, Adam. Absolutely. I, you know, I am, I'm actually looking up to see the last time that you were on. Tyson, tell us, just give us a quick rundown of the show that's happening on Friday, March 29th. Right. So Friday's show is a tragedy plus time uh, equals comedy, or I just call it tragedy plus times a lot of times. Anyways, it is, uh, it's the show that is, has grown out of a show that I ran last year called Bittersweet, which is a two-act show. The first act is storytelling, and it was typically done with, by by stand-up comics, and then they would come back in the second half and do stand-up comedy. You know, quick, let me interrupt you. The last time you were on the show as a Long Slam guest was April 12th, 2018, and it was to promote Bittersweet at the Rigby. So <laughs> it kind of makes sense. Right? Well, I mean, and that's kind of the interesting detail here because like, things with the comedy scene have changed. We have like kind of a new venue that we're really building up as kind of the home of indie comedy here in Madison, and that's the Nomad World Pub. And uh, it's it's just a really great venue because the room is the exact right size for running indie shows like that. What's, uh, what, what is like the biggest crowd that could be there? What do you think? The room, if you set it up with just chairs, can have 100 people in it. But typically it'll be set up with tables and chairs and it'll... You know, for some of the, you know, newer indie comedy shows, you know, they'll have like 20, 30 people, maybe 40 or 50. Right. The show that we're going to run on Friday, I'm expecting kind of like on the upper end of what can even fit in that room because, you know, it, it's been a good show in the past and I'm really liking kind of how the show has grown. So like it used to be called Bittersweet, but it is, you know, we had problems with the venue at one point in time with being able to get it and run it on a certain day, and then it just didn't work out so well. So now that we have this n- brand new venue, I'm, you know, the show is being revived, and it's going into like what it's going to be next. It's it's you know it's metamorphosis, and I like what it is going to be now more than I liked it before. Right. Because you know we're reaching out to like you know Madison Story Slam to include storytellers and. 
kind of flesh out our show a little bit more. So we're still going to have these things that I call like callback stories, which is, you know, a comic that does have storytelling experience will come and tell a story, kind of a, you know, a bitter or a serious story in the first half. And then they'll do stand-up comedy at the end and they will have a callback joke, which is just a single joke that links back to the story that was told. And the audience usually goes, oh, we heard this whole story that was behind that, but it's only a 10-second joke in right, the act. Right. So it kind of gives you a peek into like the life of a stand-up comic and you know what might be a 10- or 20-second joke for them was like six months of pain in their real life. <laughs> but you know they're using levity to get by it. But I also wanted to expand this show to like include just you know comics that aren't necessarily storytellers, but their material in and of itself has this idea of like you know either dark comedy or something where you know something happened, but they can laugh about it now. But also the advantage here is because I'm going to involve Madison Story Slam storytellers and specifically people from this community to to tell stories and not really reaching out to the people from the moth or anything like that. Not that the moth isn't a good storytelling program, but like I'll kind of get into that in a little bit about like how my storytelling method has changed and how I think it, I think the best storytelling show in town is Madison story. Oh, you, Oh, you, I I really do. I mean, like it's not that the moth is bad. The moth is great, but like uh, there's just, you know, I have my own personal, uh, uh, I don't know, peccadillos about like what I think goes into being a good story now. But uh, essentially what I'm really looking forward to is we're going to be on Friday. We're going to have Charles Payne who the first time I ever saw him was a Madison story slam. Yeah. Which which one, uh, which story is he going to be telling? Well, no, which time did you, what story did you tell the first time you saw him? The very first time I saw him, I think it was his first time ever. And it was at the, is it Rubinia? Yeah. 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 And And it was a Beanit camp. Yeah. And yeah. Oh yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. Yep. And so like, he's going to be bringing that story back. Oh, it's the same one. Uh, yeah, He'll do the well, same one. We'll see. Like, I think that, you know, like as a, every storyteller changes, they're going to like right. add things. They're right. going to want to refine But I just this. mean the, the shell of it is the same thing. Yeah. The yeah. innards might change, but yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I'm I really love that story. To it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a fantastic story. Yeah. So, you know, he'll bring that there and it's really, it's exciting for me because we get to kind of branch out to like, you know, another group. Cause like that, the Madison story slam community is I mean, it's really loving in the aspect that, like, there's been times when I've walked off that stage and, like, people come up and they'll say, like, the weirdest shit to me ever. (laughs) But it it comes from a place from love. It's just where where they're just like, we appreciate you. And I'm just like, uh. Yeah, I I almost describe it as, like, a lot of times people come off that stage and they're hugged with words. Yeah. You know what I mean? Completely. And, you know, so, like, that's. I want to kind of add that sort of element and in, in, in welcome that into like, you, you know, the Madison comedy scene, because we have like a lot of comics and they're good at being funny, but realistically I want to add, you know, some heart to do some you, of these shows. Do you think that comics, uh, that, that that's not in, in the scene readily as it is because comics are pretty good at being cynical? Well, I mean, I think there's a little bit about that, but I mean like comics in and of themselves are, I mean, with like me as the exception, fairly. <laughs> you are the exception. <laughs> well, yeah, like in the because I'm fairly extroverted and I'll right. talk to people and stuff. But like comics, typically are kind of introverted. They keep to themselves. You know, they'll say their jokes and they do comedy that they think is funny. But like you know, somebody else will go up and they'll be like, they'll hear a joke and be like, that is not the joke for them or whatever. So like, right. you know, everybody has their different tastes. Like I would say that the Madison you know, comedy community is welcoming. And I would say if anyone wants to try comedy, go to local madisoncomedy.com. That's where I learned about our open mics. There's a lot of open mics in town where you can try, you know, doing stand up for the first time. But, uh, you know, it is a completely different animal. Like the story community is much more welcoming and it's, Oh yeah. It's not, it's not, uh, a story. Uh, strike against the comics community it's just says a lot about the madison story slam community i have had i have had a few people here i'm gonna make a quick change with our audio setup here hold on a second okay all right can we still hear each other here a little bit can i yeah this actually sounds way better i know i know yeah it's uh 
I was trying something out. Uh, we were going through the computer and hearing ourselves through the headphones. Do you need any more volume here? No, this Are is you good. good. Okay, yeah, it's good. perfect. Um, I have had a few, not several. I've, I've had a few comics and then several non-comics say to me, you should really do stand up. And I'm always like, no way, <laughs> no way. I like, I would fail so hard because I'm so used to the storytelling community and what that is like. And it's this oh, completely different beast. So it really is. I mean, like one of the things too about comedy is the job is to be funny on stage and to not necessarily tell a story that right. the job is to get a laugh every six seconds you're talking, or if it's not at that rate, that when you do get a laugh, that it makes up for whatever time you did for the setup. So it's all about word efficiency. It's all about, you know, I mean, and there's exceptions to every rule there as well, but <laughs> it, it it is definitely, uh, a, can seem like a sink or swim environment in the and also like you get better at stand-up comedy by bombing and yeah that's pretty much all i did when i started was i just bombed and bombed and you bombed know and i bombed. think i'm okay with bombing <laughs> yeah. I, I really think i am because i have bombed several times at story slam because you know I, I the reason people are like oh you should try stand-up is because if i'm not telling a story i'm getting up in between stories and trying to make jokes out of the previous if it's a funny story right you want to riff on it yeah. I, yeah i don't i don't get up after the cancer stories and and try, try and make jokes about those but i do try and make jokes and and i have bombed several times i think i'd be okay being on stage at a comedy uh stand-up whatever open mic and bombing i think i'd be okay with that but i what I, what i would die from is the the what I perceive to be the cutthroat competition of like, it's like, it, I feel like standups, it's like they almost root each other on like, like yeah. superficially, but in the, in deep inside, they're like, I hope you fail so that people like me more. They, yeah. And that's completely illogical. That happens because you know, there's times where you see someone will get booked and they'll get booked for like more time than what you would get booked. And you're just like, well, I've been doing comedy longer You're than right. they are. Yeah. Like, and they're getting booked and they're getting stuff that they don't deserve. And like the answer to all of that is just pay attention to your own stuff and not worry about it. But that does happen. And it's because, I mean, the difference kind of between storytelling and stand-up is, while storytelling is entertainment, it's people are doing it because they want to share a story. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's either they, they feel the need to share the story with others so others can learn from, you know, the moral of the story or, you know, they're just bonding with a community where stand-up comedy, while I love it and I adore it, it is show business. Yeah. Like there is a business aspect. There is a show aspect there. I mean, that's just part of what, it is. And yeah, there, there's some competition, but I mean, some of the, some of my best tags that are, that I have on some jokes have been given to me by other comics and some of their best tags are things that I've like helped them out with. So there is things that, you know, where comics will help in one another, but it's very much kind of one-on-one -on, -one on the side, right. like, you know, like, Oh, I, I just got done from my set and like, maybe that person will give me their feedback, but maybe they won't. I'm, you know, <laughs> as we've established, I am not a comic. Uh, but I, I saw you perform once. I don't remember, or a few times I've seen you perform stand up, and I don't remember what the joke was, but I remember talking to you afterwards at the bar and going, change two words and it would kill. And I don't remember if you remember that at all. I don't remember what the joke was. Do you? I don't remember that particular joke, but like, uh, I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was, uh, uh, I think you were talking about one of the, uh. I remember specifically on a big deuce open mic. Right. Yeah. And like, uh, I think we were talking about another comic who I will not say their name, <laughs> but like <laughs> you said that guy, if he said and changed, right. I think it, you're it right. Like yeah. a, it was like a, a daddy spank me joke. Yes, and you're it like, was, if yeah. you just move these words and right. like, and it's one of those things where like, it depends on how a joke is sold as well. Yeah. And you yeah. know, what's interesting is I was, I was, uh, just in a movie. I was cast in the, um, reenactments for a documentary that was shooting here in Madison. 
and I was a murderer. And uh, you, a uh, murderer yeah. with that and mustache? I was a convicted. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually the reason I have the mustache is because the murder took place in the early '90s, and everybody had bad mustaches in the Midwest. And uh, I actually met the guy who was one of the convicted murderers. Now they have always maintained their innocence. And he was, when I met him, he was released from prison just two months before he had spent like 26 years in prison, something like that. And, uh, that was weird to like meet this guy and be like, Oh, I'm you. Um, and you know, I'm not an actor either. I have acted in some things cause I have a friend who's a filmmaker and when she needs somebody, she'll call me. And, uh, so this was like the first, this is like a big production. This is like, you know, big, for what it is. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. have been spent doing this movie. And I'm this no name, non-actor guy. And I'm in these scenes and I had to fight so hard, uh, from being the guy that's like, uh, actually, I think that we should do it this way. Direct, yeah. <laughs> director who's poured hundreds of thousands of dollars of your own money into this film. Like I, you know, I said to my friend later, she was one of the, she's one of the producers on the film and she was actually here two days ago. And I said, uh, you know, there were, if, if I was an established actor who had some clout behind me, even, even as just a local actor, who's been in some things, I would have felt okay going, Hey, can we just try this and see what it looks like? But me, random Joe Schmo guy, I had to fight so hard from being the guy who's like, let's try this. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, the reason I bring that up is because like, even when I said that to you about that other comic, I at the, even at that moment, I'm like, there's no reason to listen to me. I'm not a comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of those things like it kind of depends on what each person's like attitude towards feedback is like. Mm. I'm a fan of feedback. I think uh, all feedback has value, even if the feedback is, I think you suck. Well, all right. I mean, I've learned something from that. It's not always all that useful, well, I, but like, at least it, I got something out of it. I think it's, it, I think you can only learn, like, it's pretty tough to learn from, I think you suck, if that's mm-hmm. all it is. If it's, I think you suck because, then I think there's something to learn, even if they're right or wrong about it. Yeah. You know well, what I mean, mean? What you learn is, can you tell me why? Right, <laughs> like, right. But a lot of people just shut down at that moment but uh but yeah i mean i'm a fan of feedback i think that feedback kind of like it makes everybody better however it is difficult to take at certain times especially like the more closely married you are to the topic at hand and when it comes to stand-up like i've done a lot of like public speaking uh you know i was like in toastmasters and i did like uh, um what's it called for like the high school stuff like, like forensics, forensics yeah, yeah. I did forensics in high school and then you know i've done you know conferences and that sort of stuff on like technical details but when i stepped on stage to do stand-up i was shaking like a leaf mm. because this these are this is material that i wrote but it wasn't just like i'm going to tell something that i wrote I'm going to tell something that I wrote and I need you to laugh. Right. And then you do the pause where you're expecting the laugh to come in and you just get crickets. And you're just like, right. Wow. It's like going on stage with the attitude of like, Hey, I, who cares? I don't need your validation, but I need your validation. Yeah, You're not a comic unless they're laughing. Right. You're just a person talking into a microphone. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, which is the interesting detail about comedy. Like, I think that all jokes, I don't think there's any jokes that are off limits, but like if you're walking a crowd and no one's laughing, you're, you've stopped being a comic. Yeah. So, you know, I think that like getting the laughs is, you know, that's the important detail, but uh, you know, that's kind of the the thing though. That's really, it's nerve wracking. Like I, I can go on stage and tell a story. Like if you said, Tyson, here's a topic, tell a story. I feel confident I could start and tell a story right now if you gave me a topic and it would be kind of all right. Yeah. But like, if you said, here's a topic, tell a joke, I'd be like, "Mm, no, I'm going to fuck this up. And then like, I'll get all inside my head and I'll lock up because you know, so improv, improv jokes are, that's tough. It's it's tough for me. I have improv stories. That's pretty easy. Yeah. I can do that easier. Yes. I mean, telling it well, and in the way that I think a story should be told now, which has changed. Yeah. I, you know, I did it recently. Uh, I went to the moth for the second time, but put my name in for the first time. And the theme was magic. And I had an idea of an, a story of a story that I was going to tell, but I had never told the story before. Right. 
uh, I had told it uh, to a couple friends in in a completely different way than I ended up telling it in a, in a way that I knew I couldn't get on stage and tell basically. And so I had an idea of what the story was, uh, but I went through the whole night, wasn't picked. Only 10 people go up at the moth. And then the last person that they drew, they drew out the piece of paper and it was folded in a way that my paper wasn't folded. And I leaned over to Ashley and I was like, oh, it's not me. We can go. And then they called up Adam Rostad and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, literally from my, from walking from my chair to the stage, I came up with what the story was going to be yeah. and I got second place. Yeah. And uh, so I'm with you that it's easier to, to do an improvised story, but I can't imagine people being like, okay, here's the topic now. Tell jokes. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, there is a comedy show in town called yeah. The New Set, which is all about, like, you know, topic bucket, bucket and telling jokes. And it's a skill to, to like, try, but it is, it's difficult. But, you know, that's kind of, it, it, that's comedy. Yeah. You know, that, that comedy and storytelling are different, but they do merge in the show that's coming up in, on Friday, which I'm really excited right. about. Right. So. Uh, well, so speaking of critique and criticism and... Uh, feedback you were recently on uh well on stage for a podcast called risk from kevin allison i don't know if you'll be on the show or not on the podcast but you were on stage and that was a pretty grueling storytelling process it sounds like and there's yeah, a lot of criticism or critique and feedback can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so i uh, i pitched a i pitched a story to them that i had told originally on madison story slam but mm -hmm. i told like a very brief or glimpse into it version it was uh it was the story slam under pressure okay i can't i'm trying to remember so it's essentially the story is about how i get married mm. things don't work out right the way that i had expected right uh and when you it, when you pitched it to them did you send them the recording i did okay i did so that was the pitch and you were know, like they said well this is this is a story we want to have on because this is definitely a topic that is, you know, bread and butter for the risk podcast. And for those of you that don't know what the risk podcast is, it's, you know, the, their tagline is to tell a, to share a story you, or to tell a story, story you, never you never dare, dare to, to share. share. That's it. That's yeah. right. We've and, had Kevin on the show as a guest yeah. before. Yeah. And it's all about like these very difficult details. And I pitched the story to them and they're like, well, this is all right. I was like, well, I thought it was pretty decent when I gave it that first try. And they're like, yeah, you need to do a lot of work on this. And, but they were very, they were very gracious about it. They, there, was none of, there was no negativity in their feedback, but they really reiterated the difference between scenic detail and, uh, uh, what is it, a narrative... Uh, summary okay so like if i say well and then it was a really tough summer but i got through it that's narrative summary is different than saying you know when i felt my leg bend underneath the seat of my car <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. like you, you there's where you get into these scenic details and there's a there's a place for both of those in a story it definitely and yeah. they were they the first go around they're like okay give me as much scenic detail as, as you can. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult because that particular story was, you know, unpacking a lot of emotion because, you know, it was something that affected my life a great deal. It was very, very hard. So I was, I was going through it again. And by the time I got them to the point where I was like, here's the version with the scenic detail, it was almost 30 minutes. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well, this isn't gonna, like, now we <laughs> need to find the parts to cut. So then, you know, I had, a, you know, a couple of different calls with them where they would coach me over the phone. There were email notes. There were references to, you know, things, you know, storytelling details that they put together because, you know, their sister company is all about like teaching people how to tell stories. And I believe you know, it's the storystudio.org. Exactly. Yeah. And so like they were giving me some details and that sort of thing. And like when I was trying to figure out how to tell that story and to tell it, you know, to get into the visceral detail, which is what that podcast is all about. I was having a hard time, like, telling the forest from the trees because I was just like, I was so in it. Sure. Because I was like, this has been 
like 20 years of my life yeah. of well, so the let, thing that happened and then how it affected me right. and then how I've dealt with Let it. me summarize this yeah. because pe- when people ask me what makes a good story a good story, really what they're asking is, or, or at least what I perceive them to be asking is, tell, tell me about a bad storyteller from Story Slam or, or your experience with bad stories. You know, and, and I get up at every single Story Slam and, and do the intros and, and intro the evening and say, be gracious. It takes guts to get up here. Clap. Even when you hear a bad story and you will hear a bad story, it happens every single time. And it does. We have bad stories every time. And usually the bad stories are from people who don't know how to cut out that scenic detail. To me, what makes a good story a good story is a person who has figured out what scenic detail to leave in, but more importantly, what scenic detail to leave out. The bad stories are told by people who keep talking because they, they can tell that the, the audience isn't being impacted by the story like they have personally. And so they, in their head, they're just like, well, if I just keep, if I keep going and keep adding more detail, they'll finally understand why this is important. Because like you just said, it's 20 years of my life. It's impacted me from that day to now, to this very moment, it impacts me. And the, the bad stories are the people who are like, keep going, keep going, when really it should have been ended three minutes beforehand with a lot less detail well yeah or they're like or the narrative part that they're going on is like and then this happened like that's like what i kind of like to think of i mean we've said it before like a story has a a beginning a middle and an end but i think a lot of the times what makes a good story is if you can end and you don't have to say these words but if you can end and say and the moral of the story is but you don't have to say that the audience already kind of knows right you know or, like or there's when a, people there's a end, message when people end and they go and that's my story or thank you like if you can end without having to say that yeah. your story's good or or at least it's been communicated as a beginning middle and end if P, if the audience can tell when it's ended then you're good. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It might yeah, not be the best story, but it's a well-told story at least. Definitely. I mean, so there's, there's a lot that goes into it, but like essentially what, what ended up happening is uh, I gave them all the stuff and then they helped me whittle it down. And, you know, I was rewriting and rewriting it and like I walked on stage and uh, I had probably one of the best performances, I think of my life, whether it be storytelling or stand up. Yeah. Uh, was it more nerve wracking than you've experienced before? I was pretty nervous going up. It was probably the second most nerve wracking. I like when biggest, I had, biggest crowd you've ever had. No, the Thursday I had at the, the comedy right. club on state was the biggest crowd I've performed in front of. And that was also the, the most nerve wracking I was because it was like, you know, six minutes, it had to be really tight or yeah. it was supposed to be five, but because I had enough laughs, it kind of went into the six minute range. But, um, but for this story that I told at risk, it, it was crazy because I had it whittled down to 15, but because uh, the, you, know, you get on stage and things are kind of going on and people are, you, you know, kind of hanging on what you're saying. Like I spoke for almost 19 minutes. Right. And to tell a 19 minute long story and to still have people paying attention and in it, like that's hard to do. So that this was probably the longest I've been on stage in one continuous chunk. And wait, how long did you go? I went 19 minutes. It was just a shade under 20 for that one story. Wow. And I've never heard a story from there. So I listened to the podcast. I've never heard a stage story go that long on that podcast. Yeah. And I had them for, I mean, there's probably going to be like, if it makes it onto the podcast, which I hope it does. I think it will. Um, we'll find out. Right. You know, they don't tell you when it's going to, you know, make it on there. But, uh, I, you know, I've, I've re-listened to it because I made a recording that day. And, like, I know there's little parts where, like, oh, that could have been cut out or whatever. Yeah. Or a little stumble. Or there was a part where I paused because I kind of have a, method- a methodic pace that I go at when I'm on stage for the most part. Um. But yeah, like I had them, I got there. I I had the crowd like kind of like the whole time, and I felt felt good because like there wasn't a moment where I'm like looking at the crowd and I'm seeing people like show signs of disinterest. Right. I had basically three really detailed scenes in my story 
with a little bit of narrative summary in between each one, but each one of those scenes was very hard hitting and it changed the way that I'm going to tell stories. I'm going to do scenic detail for the really dramatic parts. And, but instead of just saying it was this thing and I talked to my dad, I'm going to kind of explore that a little bit more. Like that was one of the things I think that like Charles Payne for the very first time I saw him, he's always been about these little scenic details right. and like, he's almost, you know, poetic in the way well, he's that, a poet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it comes across. Yeah. And it's really good in those moments of like high drama, but it's not all that useful in other areas. Mm -hmm. So like sometimes you need to, cause like if all you're get, giving people is like home runs, they're, they're going to be like, yeah, you're hitting it over the fence again. You got to have to like kind of give them a moment to like wait yeah. for the big thing. Yeah. So, well, I think, you know, you just said it works in the dramatic to, to give that detail. Yeah. And what, what I thought instantly when you said that is I thought, well, there's a reason that brevity and levity are similar words. Yeah. You know, funny stuff doesn't take so long to explain. The, dra the, the dramatic does. Well, I mean, and there's also like a time and place. So like when I did the whole scenic detail for the really long cut and they said, all right, you're doing a good job of exploring the scenic detail, but you're using it to set the setting. Right. We don't need that. You need the scenic detail for just, just the drum dramatic, like just for the parts where you're talking to someone else, and you are replaying this conversation on stage. That's when you need it. But like, if it's just you know, and then I drove, you know, you don't need to say, and I drove down the road, and the you know, the corn was not knee high yet, or whatever, you know, like no one cares. Yeah. And their mind's going to fill in that detail. They're gonna, you say, it was a summer day and I was driving down the road. They're going to be like, yeah, I've driven down the road on a summer day before. But if you get into like the really kind of dramatic parts, typically when you're having a conversation with another person and you can make that come alive with those scenic details. So it's really changed the way that I think about storytelling, about how I'm going to set up stuff. Because like this Friday, I'm going to, the title of the story I'm going to tell is Softball. Uh, like, I know this story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to tell it differently because yeah. the way I think about telling stories is different it's now. It's different, yeah. So it's going to be, a, you know, you've heard some of these details mm -hmm. of that story before, but you're going to hear a different version of it. And right. that version I think I, I'm going to like a lot better. But that's kind of the neat thing about storytelling is every time you tell that story, you get a, an option to kind of like, you know, think about it like, oh, maybe I left that detail out or maybe it was good to leave that out. Like I told a story at Madison Story Slam, you know, semi recently, and I got off stage. I was like, "Yeah, that one went faster. And I felt good about it. It was a lot tighter." And one of the people I talked to when I got off stage, she was just like, "I liked it better the other way because <laughs> you kind of told us a little bit more about why it really meant something right. to you the last time." Like, that is the the, like, the story right. of your <laughs> your car crash, right? Yeah, I'll tell you, I liked the original one better too. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. I, you know, that said, I, uh, I am focusing on my story. I, I don't tell many stories anymore at story slam. Uh, you know, having done, let's see, uh, basically 10 shows for the last six years, every year. So that's I've done 60. Yeah. That's a lot. I have, I have, and it's not like I do one story every show. I might do three stories very quickly in between whatever. Mm -hmm. I have exhausted my stories at this point. Huh. And so I don't tell very many. Um, but when I do, I'm, I am focusing more on being much tighter and, and making sure my stories are not these 10 minute long. Cause you know, story slam, we, we do five to 10 minutes. The moth says five minutes, but they'll allow you six if you go over the five. Um, and so I am trying much more to keep in the details that need to be there and cut the chaff that just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. And so to keep it, I'm trying to keep my stories under seven minutes lately. Yeah. And, uh, I, I have found that to be very helpful. It's difficult because again, you get back to that point of, well, this is a story that means something to me and, and every detail means something to me. Definitely. And the art of storytelling is what can you cut because it it's not going to make a difference for somebody else it's not like it doesn't change the moral of the story you right. know what i mean so mm -hmm. it's difficult it's really difficult uh, i tell you what tyson we're going to take a quick break and uh i'm going to tell uh, our listeners uh, how they can uh watch story slam live when we're when we're uh, doing it on the saturday but we'll be right back we'll take a quick break hey guys wanting to let you know that 
Maybe you've always wanted to come to a Madison Story Slam event, but maybe you don't live in the Madison, Wisconsin area, or you're just too busy, you can never make it on a Saturday night. It's the third Saturday of every month. Well, if you find yourself wanting to participate in what we do, but you can't make it to the Wilmar Center, you can always log on to facebook.com slash Madison Story Slam. The third Saturday of every month at 7 p.m. Central Time, you can see our live video stream on Facebook. So when we're hearing and seeing the stories live at the Wilmar Center, you can hear them live on Facebook. So yeah, we... We changed. We learned how to lie to all of our friends and family. They're like, oh, yeah, things must be going good. And like, oh, yeah, I totally know what sex is. I know. Can you imagine watching 40-year-old virgin in the theater and being like, I really hope that I have it before then. All right, back from break. And now listeners know how they can watch live video from our uh, our live stream uh uh, story slam events and also i'm gonna th- probably throw in there some audio from a story that you've told so what a great story that was tyson thank you <laughs> <laughs> i i can't remember every story that you've had so i'll pick one that's good all right just don't uh, pick the softball one yeah i won't okay i won't right. <laughs> um but uh so let's talk a little bit more very briefly you're doing this thing called midwest indie comedy what would you would you call yourself the owner of this yeah or i so yeah i filed like you know, papers for like taxes. It's a business. Right. I'm the sole proprietor. Right. I'm owner operator of Midwest Indie Comedy, which is basically just the umbrella uh, company that I do my comedy and show production and promotion through. And it's, I mainly set it up because I'm going to do something super unprofessional. Go ahead. Open a beer. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good with that. That, that, that adds to most yeah, everything right. for me. <laughs> so, so you set it all up like that because? I set it all up like that because, you know, I want to be able to, there's just certain things that when you need to promote a show and put together a professional show that, you know, oh, I'm sharing this from my own personal Facebook page. And if you want to go to get sponsors for things, you're like, yes, make out the check to me personally. That just, that's, that doesn't work. And, I don't well, know. I can I tell you it like does a, work. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've, I've done that. Well, I mean, with Story Slam, I want to right, make it right. look like this, and it also kind of it definitely gives, makes it look more professional. You're yeah, right. it makes it look like kind of you know professional, but it also uh, it allows me to have kind of a, a little bit of separation from that sort of stuff. You know, so like when I like if, like if I book myself in 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 my own shows, which I I typically do, I'm either hosting or have some sort of role on it. Uh, you know, instead of it just being it's the Tyson show again, right? You know, like it's Midwest indie comedy, and I don't know. It it also like it it grew out of this. I did have a partner. Yeah, so let's talk about this a little bit. We don't have to uh, we don't have to get into the minutia of it because I I think uh, we both want to be. Um, uh, diplomatic. Yeah, I think that's a good word for um, it. So before Midwest Indie Comedy, you were operating under the name... Capital City Comedians. Yeah, yeah. and you had a business partner, yep. and things went awry. I, so I'm going to let you take away, take it away from there, because I don't want to say yeah. what you don't want me to say. Yeah, things went awry, and went awry kind of rapidly, mm. uh, in the aspect of... Because like, So um, let me ask you this. I think the last time... That or, or the first time that you did bittersweet that I had any uh, knowledge of it, and the last time I had you on here, I don't think you were operating under that name yet. No, we, but no, pretty quickly after that, you did start to mm-hmm. do things under that name. Yeah, because I, I, my first crack at it, I kind of threw together a page and was like, I'm going to call it Glib Showcases, and right. no one liked that name. I didn't either. <laughs> I, I didn't have the heart to tell you last time. Everyone hated that name, and like, I didn't hate it, but it, but it. It didn't, it I, I feel like me. it didn't represent what you were doing. Yeah. So like I say, I like, but do you know what feedback. I do like about the word glib? Did we talk about this last time? I don't know. Have you ever seen the interview with Matt Lauer and uh, Tom Cruise? No. And, and uh, it's back when Tom Cruise was really like harping on, uh, you know, psychiatry and any kind of mental health, uh, medication. And, uh, and he, so Matt, the, the today show had Tom Cruise on and Matt Lauer's like, Okay, so maybe people, maybe two kids are being diagnosed, too many kids are being diagnosed with ADD, or maybe too many kids are on ADD medication. And Tom Cruise is like, Matt, 
too many kids on Matt, 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 you're glib. And I like, I just, <laughs> it, it was like the most condescending thing I've ever heard. And I, anytime I've heard that word since I always think of that interview. So, so you did glib showcases and that didn't really work. Yeah, it was going all right, but I, I no, built, that didn't really work. No, I mean, <laughs> true. All right, I built kind of a small following, but then there was another comic in town. He had kind of his own following. I was like, hey, we should cooperate. Okay, so let's co-promote. Let's work together because you promoting your show separately and my me promoting my show separately. When we both know that we're putting on good shows and we're, which is the key here. We both know we're putting on good shows and we're willing to say to somebody else, this is a show you should see also. Right. And I was like, well, let's just put these together. So I did pretty much all the work putting that stuff together, uh, the, the two things together. And he was super pivotal in like being kind of the face of the production and, you know, helping to negotiate getting a, a venue for us to work in. And things were going pretty great there for a little while, but... Things change. Yeah, things change. There was a distinct problem. I ended up having to do like a GoFundMe to like uh, get out of trouble and it detailed the whole story. So if you really want to know, friend me on Facebook and go through my feed. <laughs> you'll see a GoFundMe account and it you tells know, I was, the whole I was story. impressed at how honest you were in that GoFundMe. Uh, I'm an honest person. Yeah. Like, but also you, you kind of have to be super honest if you're going to do that. If you're going to ask people for money and and just, you've got a detail. Here's why. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, I made some mistakes, but I also had like some pretty unfortunate things kind of happen right. to me. And yeah. I was like, this kind of sucks. But, uh, I mean, and like the thing about honesty too, I mean, it kind of relates to, you know, Kind of the story that I told on risk, the story that I, you know, I told at the under pressure is just like, I spent seven years of my life hiding this really big detail. Yeah. You know, and kind of lying to my friends and family about like, oh yeah, everything's going great with this, that, and the other thing. And like, I have completely lost my taste for lying about anything or putting kind of like a happy sheen on something. Right. You know, a lot of the times I'll just be like, no, this is the fucking detail. And sorry. And to you, can curse. Swearing, okay, you can curse. You can curse. Yeah. But like, I'll just be like, this is the, this is the shit that there is. Right. And I'm not going to say anything about it. It's, it's kind of been my guiding light for the last couple of years. You know, I deal with depression and, and I don't pull any punches about it Man, at you all. You know what is so interesting I mean, depression is this, like, it is a absolute, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's a shit sandwich. It, it is actually. a wide, <laughs> it is a wide, what's the, like a widespread illness. Uh, uh, it, yeah. It's a, an epidemic. It, it is an epidemic. Yeah. Because I, I was about to say, it's amazing to me how many of our storytellers who, who, when I talk to them personally, will say, this is my medication you know coming here and doing this mm -hmm. and, and and being a part of it is my medication for depression i've always said that but it's just incredible to me how many of our storytellers say that and so then i just extrapolate from that and go oh everybody is dealing with this and just nobody's honest about it well and that's an interesting detail because when i was really dealing like it's kind of in the in the grips of my depression i was having a real hard time with it which i mean i've dealt with it for my whole life very silently for most of it you know, and only been open about it the last couple of years. But I've I seen a therapist and the therapist was like, you need to find other reasons to be alive because right. you don't have enough. You know, and like when your therapist just lays out like. <laughs> that's comforting. Like to you're down to one reason to live. That's not enough. Right. You need to do some homework. So I did homework and I went and interviewed like a bunch of different people. I'm like, and when you walk up apropos of nothing and say, Hey, I want to ask you some questions. You got like five minutes and they're like, sure. What? I'm like, what's your reason to live? That'll uh, kind of catch people off guard a little bit. It also kind of telegraphs that you may have some problems, but like, yeah. you know, I did that and I found out that yes, more people kind of deal with depression or situational depression. Cause there's, it's a spectrum. Some people, you know, feel it more than others. Totally. But there are, there are other people that I talk to where I just say, no, my life's a fucking breeze. Like one, one <laughs> well, guy just said, must be nice. <laughs> one guy just talked to me. He's just like, yeah, I don't know. I just think things are chemicals. I'm like, what do you mean by like, well, you know, like you get happy when you exercise. So I do that. Or like, you know, and he was just so like nuts and bolts and like, so you don't, 
need a reason to live or you know you're not really sad about it. I was like no i'm just generally pretty happy man i, I like my life i'm like awesome <laughs> you know, yeah it, it was not that great of an interview for like helping me like in that particular <laughs> moment but i was like oh great good for you buddy but um that that's also kind of like why i do stand-up comedy yeah like i do stand up you know there's an overused hashtag and i'm going to use it a lot promoting the show over the next couple of days called uh, you know comedy is therapy oh and uh of course it is so like and a lot of comics do that but and, and me particularly i this is how i try to stay balanced try but like uh i think that when you deal with problems in your life that we all have this this moment where we may feel out of control right and I think that true control is a lie. Like I think that <laughs> I, I think that control is a you know a spectrum in and of itself. Like I think that it's rare that you ever have full control over any particular situation. And I think that it's also rare that you are you, that you have zero control. I right. think that yeah. you may feel like you don't have any control, but like sometimes the con the control that you have is like, well, I don't have to do this. Or, you know, I don't, you know, this sounds really dark and I apologize, but like sometimes like the one element of control is just like, I don't have to go on living, you know? And like for a person that that's a real dark thing to say, but like it can also make you think about, well, well, well maybe I don't want to make that choice. Yeah. But like, yeah. You know, let's kind of process it. For me, how I kind of insert control into my life or I'm feeling like I'm in a situation where I'm out of control and life is just happening to me is I do it through levity and comedy because when the shit hits the fan and everything's going terrible and I don't feel like I can control my life or this situation or everything's spinning, you know, out and you don't know what to do. I can write a joke or I can laugh at it and I can control my reaction to what's going on. And so, like, here's a peek behind the curtains, everybody. Like, I have problems with, like, suicidal ideation. Like, I've had it for 25 years. Yeah. And when it's really bad for me, I try to write jokes. And then the part... And that, then post them on Facebook and, and make post, everybody nervous. And I do. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and it is very specific. It's part of my uh, uh, coping mechanism because... If I just write about it and laugh about it, but I don't make it public, sure. then I'm not owning up to like what's well, and going then, on. And then you're just letting it fester in yeah. your brain. Right. You know, I feel like those kinds of things, when I put them out, I'm letting them go at the same time. Yeah. And, and if I don't put them out, I'm holding on to them and then just thinking about it over and over and over again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so like my Facebook page, not always the nicest place <laughs> no, no it's like, not. <laughs> like people go out there like wow why does he write so many suicide jokes i mean like that's how i process it right and it is very therapeutic for me it's how i get over it it's how i don't get caught in it like sometimes you know have you ever heard that thing like uh, it takes ten thousand hours to gain proficiency right. and mastery yeah. over something ten ten thousand hours of practice to become a pro basically exactly yeah and i want to become a pro at not killing, killing yourself <laughs> is that in your stand-up somewhere Not, well i mean like it will be someday because but like, that is a killer joke <laughs> that is a yeah. killer joke so but yeah that's that's kind of the idea behind it so it's taking ten thousand hours oh, of man. me learning how to snap myself out of it because i don't right. i don't want to kill myself yeah but like i do have this ideation it you know what's interesting i have never wanted to kill myself i've never been suicidal i've never had suicidal ideation but i often find myself when i'm depressed wishing that i didn't exist and i think there's a difference to be drawn there it's different from killing myself it's just and it's not i wish i never existed it's i wish i could snap my fingers and stop existing yeah it's like the it's a wonderful life crux you know yeah but that that is he wished he never existed yeah i i still want to have had an impact i just wish that i could stop existing you know that's kind of the interesting detail about that movie is it doesn't really answer the question about suicide that would 
Like just because you had a good life up to that point doesn't mean that it still wasn't enough. right. <laughs> Sorry, right. That I'm getting kind of like okay. overly dark. Okay, Everybody, so you should probably cut that part out. <laughs> no, no, we're good. Uh, so uh, you you had glib showcases. You did some stuff with that. Then you had a business partner under Capital a different City name. Comedians and, didn't work out. And so now you're doing Midwest Indie Comedy. You've got that registered as a business. And is this kind of the first thing? The the uh, the tragedy plus time equals comedy. Is this kind of the first thing that you're doing under that name? It is. It's the it's the relaunch of my business. It's the and this is the first show that's going to be on it. This is my favorite show. Like this is the one that's near and dear to my heart because it talks about literally everything I've talked about up until this point. Storytelling, what makes a good story? Comedy is therapy. Dark humor about how to like take levity and add it to life when you you know like that's what this show is. This right. show is very much me, my baby, and uh, uh, and. You know, I know enough comics that are also kind of you have know, similar mindset, and the the show's gonna be the show the show's gonna be spectacular. Yeah, it it's, really it's is gonna be great. You've got you've got some great people booked to to be in it, and I'm really excited for it. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Like I know I've never felt as sure about a show like I feel about this one. Yeah, as far as like something that I've produced. Well, you know, the, the the bittersweet showcase that I went to at the Rigby that was that was great. So I I feel like. And I know you put hard work into that. I feel like you have put way more work into the tragedy plus time equals comedy show. So I this know is that, be way better. Yeah, I think I know that if that bittersweet show was great, this is only going to be ex- exponentially greater. Especially because now we're involved. In exactly. That, that I actually want to ask you about that. Uh, and uh, you. Like, why why ask us to do this with you uh, or be a part of it I, you know i've been saying we're helping produce this I, it's the wrong word i'm helping promote it we're helping promote yeah, yeah. it well you're helping to present it right because and, i mean without being able to like you know involve the madison story slam community you know like i can't draw upon storytellers that i know like that, i kind of touched on earlier the difference yeah. between the moth and madison story slam like madison story slam you sign up you're getting on stage. You're getting on stage. Unless there's, you know, some Unless extenuating. Unless there's a thousand people yeah, right, signed yeah. up. You're going to get and on stage. Listen, the, the, I'll be honest. The last few times we have had to cut three people at the end. And, and I always feel bad about it. Always. But when you have 20 people sign up, it's pretty hard to get through everybody. It is. and But, like, the thing about it is is they get on stage. They get to tell their story. They tell the story that means something to them. Sometimes the stories are good. Sometimes they're like, eh, they're like, and a lot of times they're great. And they get enough room to stretch their legs right. in that story. Like when you say it's more about the girth and the length, that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that you know, it, that's by a the joke, way, but we we true. do have we do have a T-shirt now on our uh, <laughs> on our uh, web store. Uh, and if you go into the show notes of this uh, this episode right now, you can find our web store with a bunch of our merch. We've got T-shirts, mugs, uh, some other things, some some posters. But we do have a specific T-shirt now that says um, – hold, hold on one second here. Sorry, we had some technical difficulties there. Uh, there is a T-shirt now specifically that says stories should be five to ten minutes. It's more about the girth than it is the length. Yeah. I don't think anybody will ever buy those T-shirts, but I wanted to make sure that I had those available because people have asked. But you were saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a particular detail there. So people can get on. They're not limited to five minutes. Although five minutes you should shoot for. Yes. Like, you should try to be. Like you should have you brevity know, when it's possible. The thing is, is, uh, you know, you've been to several of our story slam events and it's very often that as we get closer to the end, I will get up and say, Hey, we said you've got a maximum of 10 minutes. We've got four more people to get through. We've got to cut it down to six minutes or seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Usually when I do that, you get better stories. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Cause like you want to be giving the details that make the story work and nothing else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, I try to cut as much as possible. Sometimes I add stuff back in. We'll see. But um, so there's that. But it's also the the other reason I you wanted to reach out to you guys is uh, is it is you've it, heard is all our, the stories. I was gonna say, is it our reach? Is it that we we have well, not, a Facebook not, page of fifteen hundred? And and if that's it, if that's the whole reason, I'm fine with that. Oh, well, you know, I said I'm not gonna lie. Like that weighed into it. Like that's Absolutely. helpful. I mean, that's smart of you. Yeah, but like realistically i haven't heard all the stories mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. and like the, when i first approached you about it i was like 
give me your list. Yeah. And you, you made it very me. difficult though. Cause yeah. you gave me, I, I don't I, know I if said, we should I, say, I'm, I'm okay. looking, I'm looking for these details for this show. And you were like, Oh, all right. And, but you gave me like 10 different options of different yeah. storytellers. Yeah. And I was like, yep, I've heard that that story before i've heard this one before and then you also had the archives that i could go listen to it right so like some of the problems with booking this particular show and uh and was a problem for the bittersweet show was i only used comics and some comics can't tell a story and when you would ask them to tell the story they like they would make it too bitty Bitty. or yes absolutely or it or when you would say, I want you to tell this, you know, can you give me the idea for your story? And they're like, well, I don't know how it's going to be. And then the hem and Han, like, you know, I'd be tra- I mean, I need to know what your story is going to be like. Right. I, so this is a, this is, this is a booked show. Like this isn't uh, an open mic for comedy and it isn't a story slam event where people show up and go on a theme. Like this is a show that I'm cherry picking the details of what I want yeah. and I'm, I'm the show, the show itself should have a narrative. So I, uh, the nice thing was, is like, I have this whole wealth of information that I can go listen to every single story. And I, you know, you know, and these I've people, got like contact detail details yeah, exactly. for most of them. It just, it, it's making the show better. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. Why did I reach out to Madison Storyline? It's making the show better. I'm doing the bulk of the production work. It's you know I'm producing it, but you're helping to present it. Yeah, like I couldn't present it without you. I couldn't. Not yeah. not not this not not this version not this of the iteration. Show. Yeah, and this version of the show is better than the last. And yeah. I want to put on good shows. So I I told you this last time. I don't know if it was on mic or if it was after we were done. I still think it would be very interesting for you to take a regular storyteller from Madison Story Slam and have them tell a story, but then also have them come back up later and work like you would have to have a comic work with them and have them try and do stand up based off of that story. I still think that would be very interesting. Yeah. I, I think that there's that possibility for having a storyteller come and do a stand up set, but that so storytellers it would have out to there, be the right storyteller storytellers out there who want to, you know, maybe get booked in a future tragedy plus time show. Listen up. If you want to try out and do a stand up set on this, you got to go to some open mics because I am a firm believer in not booking stand up comics who haven't done a, at least a handful of those bars. See, mics. but I'm going to challenge you on this. Ah. I'm, I'm just going to challenge because to me, that's part of what the interesting thing is. Maybe you don't pay them at the same rate, but I think part of the interesting thing for me would be seeing that person tell that story and tell it well because they're a storyteller, but then to see them for the first tr- first time try and make jokes about it. That would be interesting to me. And you you could announce it that way. You, you, you could work it into the show correctly and be like, Hey, we're going to try something. This is an experiment that we don't often get to see. Yeah, we could we could try something like that. It would have to be like uh, like a two minute set, which is mm-hmm. it's pretty short. And um, that's pretty difficult. Two minutes. Yeah, it is. I'm not going to rule it out, right? But I'm going to say that that's a tall hill to climb. <laughs> I, know, right? I know it is. I'm just I'm just telling you. I I would find it interesting. Well, and I think you, other people would too. Why don't you get out and you do some open mics uh, I'm never and then gonna I'll do book it. you for that role. <laughs> I'm and, never going to do and it. And you can do. Uh, <laughs> I'm never. I, I just, I, you know, uh, every now and then I, when the big deuce is coming up, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to sign up. Oh, you got to go do the Argus first. I know. You got to do the gotta Argus do everything first. first but. You got to do the Argus before the big deuce. The big deuce will spoil you. Yeah, I know. It is what it is. All right. Give us a final plug for what's happening this Friday, March 29th at nomad world pub and all the details all right so doors open at eight shows at eight thirty. shows called tragedy plus time equals comedy it is a two-act show the how first, long can i expect to be there you can expect to be there for two hours okay there will be an intermission because we all like to drink and after that first act you hear some kind of serious stories yeah. and you might need a beer after but we will never leave you in a spot where you're like, man, I just heard some really heavy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and now I got to go home. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's your Friday night. It's date night. This is a nice place to come and get, you know, a good emotional experience because you will see people be really vulnerable on stage. 
and be really spectacularly real with you. And then in the second half, they will be goofy. Yeah. They'll be funny. They may make some jokes about shit that you never thought that they would joke about. And you will end up laughing. And when they make a callback joke, and I make a joke about my dad dying of cancer, you're like, wow, could you ever make a joke about that? It will be funny because you will have heard this other story from earlier. Right. And it is such a unique and special experience. It, it will be the great, it'll be a great thing to do for your uh, Friday night. You go get some dinner, go to the show. You'll be done by like 10 o'clock. For sure. Have another drink. Go do whatever you're going to do. Maybe, <laughs> maybe your honey. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's tragedy plus time equals comedy. That's this Friday, March 29th, 2019. We'll be at the Nomad World Pub. That is 418 East Wilson Street in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, show starts at 830. Doors are at 8. Is that yes. correct? I said that opposite. So doors are at 8. Show starts at 830. Uh, and we have ticket sales that yeah, just we're, went we're, live today. I believe MidwestIndieComedy.BrownPaperTickets.com. You can find tickets. And tickets are how much? Tickets are. So the advanced tickets are, I believe, they're $6 for the... It's $5 at the show, but the advanced tickets will get preferred seating, and it will be reserved for you. And you'll get... Uh, this is the first show that I've had merchandise, so you're going to get like this little... Uh, You've got stickers, right? Yeah, I got this the, the Tin Man. Yeah, the, the Tragedy really, Plus really Time quick, Tin Man. Really quick, let's let's ask why the Tin Man. What is that about? So From, the, from Wizard of Oz, just yeah, to be clear. So essentially, like, I'm also an illustrator, so I drew that picture. Yep. And, and I got to tell you, man, it is incredible. And I will say, I saw your video of you working on the Scarecrow. That, oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. It is so good. Yeah, it's going to be a series. Yeah. So, like, the idea being that, like, sometimes we ask for things that maybe we really want and then we get them. So, like, I got this idea of, well, we'll put it this way. I was hitting on a woman and I got super rejected. <laughs> yeah. And I had this idea inside my mind. I was like, man, I wish I could just tear my heart out and then just live with my brain. Because I knew when I was pursuing her, I'm like, this isn't going to work. Yeah, but you know the heart wants what the heart wants, which and my heart's just stupid. Uh, you know, like, and well, you're so, a man. So. So, so yeah, I got my feelings hurt, and uh, that night and I was like, man, I can't go to sleep. I need to do something that is going to help me cope. So I started drawing, and I just got this idea of like, well, you know, the Tin Man's all like, I want a heart, I want a heart. I'm like, right. like what? What would you do if he got that upgrade and was like, nope. I want to roll back to the previous version because originally I titled it Rollback because he's just like, nope, let's take this out. It I was like better being just, you know, a mental being and not having feelings. Being a robot. Yeah. So the entire, that picture is predicated on this idea of, you know, the, the Tin Man just being like, this sucks. <laughs> like, and he just pulls his heart out of his chest and he's like, okay, I don't need this clockwork heart anymore. And I think that it's kind of a, it's a tragic idea but i think it's kind of funny this idea and so like you know the scarecrow one i'm working on next you know like there's a lot of correlations between high intelligence and depression and right you know, like he's probably pretty happy being you know he's pretty blissful in his ignorance and now like now he's got his diploma and he realizes how crappy the world is in oz <laughs> and now he's got to deal with it you know it's like that's right so, so i'm working on these illustrations but yeah like I have these stickers printed up. They're die cut. I think that they're pretty nice. So they like, do look good. So the $6 VIP advance, you know, uh, brown paper tickets, you'll get a seat. It will be yours. It, you know, you don't get to pick it from a list, but we'll line it up in front. So like, you know, other people get there early and play, pay the, the regular cover won't, you know, right. get to take those seats. I also have like three tables which will be right at the front of the space. The rest will be rows of seating behind it. And those tables are also going to get sold. Those tables are $20, but they come with two tickets. And so it'll be two, you know, two chairs on a table. And then if you want to fit in a third, you just tell me at the door, yeah, there'll be $5 for the third person, but we'll shoehorn another uh, chair in there. If you have you know, a small table. So those are the really, those are the best seats in the house will be those three tables up in front, but all of the advanced tickets will be towards the front of the, 
the space, which will be the best ones. Cool. Best place to sit. Well, I am looking forward to it again. It's Friday, March 29th. That's this week. Uh, you know, I originally said at the beginning of the show that this was going to come out Wednesday. I'm going to post this tonight. So this, oh, awesome. this will be out Monday, March 25th. Is that the 25th today right now? Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, and so this will come out tonight. So this week, this Friday, March 29th at the Nomad World Pub, come see Tragedy Plus Time Equals Comedy, put on by uh, Midwest Indie Comedy and us. Madison Story Slam is helping out. Uh, you can see comedy by, is is it Charles and then everybody else's comedians? So Charles is the, the primary storyteller and uh, well, then everybody else is a comedian Okay, well. so stories by, or story by Charles Payne, comedy by Jane Clevin, Joe Malloy, Margaret Leaf, Nina Davis, and and then hosted by uh, this man in front of me here, Tyson Purcell. It's going to be a blast. Uh, can I bring merch and oh, sell yeah, Madison Story yeah. Slam merch? I want you to bring merch. All right, I'll cut uh, you in on that uh, if we sell stuff. Okay. Uh, very cool. Uh, so come on out to that. We're going to have a blast. We want to see you there. Again, at the door, tickets are $5. But you can head to MidwestIndieComedy.Brownleaf. Or what is it? It's, it's brown paper bags. Just go to the link on the Facebook right, yeah. page. You can you mind. can go to Madison Story Slam uh, Facebook page and find the event there, and the link is there as well. So, uh, hey Tyson, thanks for stopping by and telling us about this event and just telling us about your life lately. It's been a blast. Yeah, it's it's always great to come in here and yammer at you. That's right. <laughs> All right, uh, intro or outro is just going to be really simple this time. Me saying uh, just a reminder that our next event, the next Madison Story Slam event is Saturday, April 20th at the Wilmar Center here in Madison, Wisconsin. The theme is secondhand, and we chose that because we recognize that everybody has a great story. But sometimes some of the stories you have is actually something you've heard from a friend of yours, but you've told it so many times that it might as well be yours, and we want to hear those stories. But as always, we leave the interpretation of the theme up to the storyteller. So if you have a great story that has to do with your second hand, and I guess it's up to the person who decides what their second hand is. Anyway, we want to hear all your stories. You know me. I'm loose with the rules. Come on out. It's Saturday, April 20th at the Wilmar Center. Doors open at 6. Stories start at 7. And just so you know, the last three story slams, we have uh, filled up every chair and table by 6.15. So if you want to make sure you have somewhere to sit and not stand, get there early. Uh, as always, we're sponsored by Ale Asylum. Big thanks to them. Uh, big thanks to all of our listeners and all of our storytellers. Come to the Nomad, March 29th, Nomad World Pub here in Madison. And as always, I love you.